Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast episode 187. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, Alex. Happy hour is now 8.58, 8.55 a.m. actually. I'm liking it though. Happy hour is over a coffee. So I'm going to say cheers. We're using our new cheers. fancy Nespresso. Yes, and I am on a magic mind. I am on ADHD medication. I'm on an espresso. So I better deliver here or else there's no hope. I am curious because this is the first morning that you've had all three three things going for you. The coffee, the magic mind, ADHD medication. Do you feel different? I think the medication works. I'm on an extreme low dose. So it's like 25 milligrams of, and it's, I'm going to get the name of this product, but it's a form of Ritalin, Ritalin and it's M-E-T-H-Y, methy something. So it starts with meth, and it it does give you a little pep in your step. And I think people with ADHD, most of them, the main symptom, it, it more than the distractibility, more than the hyperactivity, it's the um, lower dopamine. Right. And I think that lower dopamine is what makes you seek out uh, adventurous things or little side missions that are more pleasurable to the brain because we're so lacking in that in our day to day. And, and, but you're feeling balanced, more balanced. I just feel like I can to, to a way bigger extent, stay on a task. And anytime my mind wants to say like, Oh, let's go, you know, look at that clickbait YouTube video for a moment. Let's take a little break. Let's go eat a handful of goldfish crackers. I'm less liable to do little things that are procrastination techniques disguised as, you know, having my 18th bubbly of the day. I will say working at home and on the days that we work from home, the snacking is through the roof for me. And I have to be careful of it because it's like what you just said. At work, I'm not going anywhere to find a handful of goldfish crackers, but at home I have all the kids snacks and it is, they call my name all day long. What's your go-to kid snack? Well, I had a butter tart this morning with my coffee. That's not a kid snack. No. That's an adult snack. No, but it's at home. My go-to kid snack is 100% the veggie straws. I'm off veggie straws. Not me. I don't know what it is, but... I'm trying to kick them and I can't. I wish I was off them. I wish that I was grossed out by them at this point, but I'm not. The thing you'd think I'd like about them, and at one point I did, was the texture. Mm. Now it like hurts my teeth. Maybe just my teeth are getting old. <laughs> Your teeth are getting old. I have my old. first cavity. I've never had a cavity before. Dentist called me the other Jesus. day. Shane, I think I, I think I need a root canal on two different teeth. Honestly, I was looking at them in the mirror. If I just touch them in this one part, I can feel it. It hurts just to touch. But you have nice teeth. They look nice, but they're prone. I kill to have teeth like that. But Shane, they're prone to cavities. And like my whole life, I've been more prone to cavities. And I was researching recently, people with autoimmune, specifically lupus, for some reason, cavity riddled teeth. Yeah, but they look nice. And I'll I'll trade. (laughs) I'll trade. Because, you know, you were pointing this out the other day. Our daughter, she has my teeth gene. She has translucent teeth. And you're pointing out that just like. Her two front teeth. You can see through them, and that's like mine. So I have, uh, it's like a plaster on my two front teeth because you could see through them. What? Why? Why was it from like not brushing them properly? What was that? I used when I was a child. I used to drink six cokes a night. I loved staying up late. How old? I would say eight to sixteen. That is crazy. So, and every night I would go. 
So you can, you, I know this is an audio <laughs> podcast, by the way, but you can tell I'm drinking through my teeth. And that's how I would drink the Coca-Cola. And then in the morning, I would just pass out. So I wouldn't even brush my teeth after oh doing Oh my that. God. In the morning, it would be kind of fun to play with my soft front Ew. teeth. So I was picking off the enamel oh, and having a blast doing it. It was like all gummy and squishy and I didn't oh. know. I was like, oh, this must be a normal thing. Apparently, it's not normal. I stripped the enamel off my teeth so poorly you could see through them. So if I put like my finger behind my front teeth, I was like, oh, there's my finger. And uh, my dentist, when I was like 30, was like, oh, boy, we got to fix this. And she's a bit of an artist, this dentist. And she had very good skills at putting the enamel on. Mm -hmm. And other dentists have tried and the enamel just whatever they that fake enamel they put on my front teeth, it would just fall off on the next brushing. This woman did such a good job. So she's my dentist now. But watch out. If your kids don't have strong enamel, sugar, brushing, brushing in the morning. And I I find a lot of people, they skip that morning brush. Super important to get all that because all the germs are attacking your teeth at night. So getting that morning brush is good. Not brushing too hard is important. Oh, because you can ruin your gums. Enamel. Well, and gums, because I'm I'm facing the gum problem from brushing too hard on my back teeth because I'm cavity riddled and cavity prone. So I brush way too hard. And look, my gum, like, it recedes a little bit. So now I'm trying to work up my gum health again to make it plump back up. I need, like, filler in my gums. That's mm. the one place I might want to get filler. But Lucy doesn't drink. Like, she's not sitting there drinking pop. I don't think we've ever let her have pop. So it's like, why does she have... Bad genes. Yeah, but yours yours were caused by making it gummy with the pop, which listener, like I, my tummy is woozy from hearing but that you description. You know how they say like generational trauma, whether you've experienced <laughs> the trauma or not, can be passed on. Yeah. You know, there's that theory. I think it's my terrible oral health has transferred to Lucy without her even having to do anything poorly. Oh my god! It's just I've changed my genes. Okay. Well, I got to say, because you mentioned the morning brushing. I think most people do that. I think maybe kids will sometimes forget. Which I'm is why talking I need... about kids, not yeah. adults. Well, I, I want to add something for adults, which oh. is something that I do very like every single day. Water? In. Well, I love the water flosser. I did that last night and okay. it, I really loved it. But what I, I don't do that every day. I forget. But I do everyday tongue scraping. Oh, that's a good one. It's the best. And it gets off so much crap. And you don't even realize how, like I would brush my tongue every day, like whenever I brush my teeth leading up to this. But then what, like two years ago, maybe we got our tongue scrapers and I use it every day. And it just changes the game. Like brushing doesn't even compare to what tongue scraping does. And you will not believe the stuff that comes off your tongue. Get rid of it. I believe it because I kiss you and I never have a weird taste afterwards <laughs> yeah but i did a scene where i had to kiss some men mm. and i realized yeah i'm assuming men don't use tongue scrapers at the same way that women do i guess i think women are more liable to use a tongue scraper and it just i could taste the breath that's gross but you can probably taste my breath i don't know not usually but you should start using the tongue scraper again and no, i will be honest can you taste my breath yes or no no when i'm kissing you what do you mean when when can you taste it no, oh, I can't. I can't taste your breath. I can't taste your breath. But I do think the tongue scraper is amazing. And I know you've used it a couple times. I'm just saying you should get back on it just for your own oral health. 
Are you disgusted by me? You're looking cheeky. No, when I when I think of somebody not using the tongue scraper now that I use it all the time and I'm thinking about all the crap that comes off your tongue, it just grosses me out thinking that people aren't taking that off their tongues. Okay, so let's say, you know, you're at the pearly gates. <laughs> God is doing true, like he's like, you got to be honest with me here. Yeah. And he says, does Shane have bad breath? What no. would you say? No, no, you don't. It like... I can say that easily. You don't. And I can't taste your breath when I kiss you. But thinking. Why is of, there a but? Okay. Yeah. Continue. Thinking of the fact that you haven't used your tongue scraper regularly. Now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm kind of like, ugh. Yeah. A so new, it's mental now. It's a mental ick. Well, speaking of mental, a new tongue scraper. Yes. Very appealing. You see that shiny piece of metal. You just want to throw it in there and rip your taste buds off. But after you've used it and clean it or it's on the counter and it has like gunk on it and whatnot. They don't have gunk on them it just doesn't look nice the chrome finish comes off no, it or something it doesn't it's stainless steel it's not chrome stainless steel you sit it upright in a thing get it somewhere where it can sit upright you clean it after every use it always looks i find shiny. anything that says stainless steel always looks stained i don't know why <laughs> it's like watermarks and things that's but... what i mean and that that is unappealing to me um no i say you go for it. even lucy brushes her tongue when she brush, brushes her teeth like she knows no she's good to at do it. that yep um, but Shane, I do want to celebrate something today. Big news in my world. Just tell me. Give me a drum roll. <laughs> I, this is the morning and you're on three different things and you can't give me a drum roll this proper? This is the highest dopamine I can get. I have no tolerance for inauthentic <laughs> excitement. It's not. This is very exciting. Then tell me and I'll get excited and then I'll do a reverse drum roll. Oh, you're bore. Okay. A bore? Uh, yes. Least boring person in the world. Can't drum roll. I sneezed today and I didn't pee. Oh, that's good. I and I didn't. I didn't hold my legs closed or anything. I no, sneezed. That is good. Thank you. Well, where's my reverse drum roll? <laughs> Yay! No, that's that's really good because that's obviously a weird thing to be. Not weird. It's probably common. It's com. It's very common. But it's it's weird for me to hear because I didn't know you were struggling with that. So I always associate like people peeing their pants with the elderly yeah so obviously or the very young children <laughs> well your pelvic floor the reason this happens a lot of times with elderly people there's so many reasons but your pelvic floor weakens for men and women for women when they go through menopause or any kind of hormonal change or childbirth whatever you don't even have to birth your kid for like out of the vagina for your pelvic floor to be weakened you just have to carry a baby and the pressure is going to weaken your pelvic floor so for the last five years, whenever I sneeze, I have to bring my legs together. And I will say, I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not at the finish line because I still haven't done it standing up. This morning when I sneezed and didn't close my legs, I was sitting down. But I couldn't even do that a month ago. Like, could not do that a month ago. And uh, coughing, throwing up, laughing, jumping, all those things cause that like stress incontinence. But this is a huge step for me because I haven't even done that sitting down for five years. So this machine you went on worked. Yes. So I've been using, because like you guys know, I've been going to pelvic floor physiotherapy. It helps. I haven't been the best at keeping up with my exercises though. It's tough. But it is, it's tough, whatever. Um. Anyway, I've been using this chair. It's called, this place calls it the Kegel throne, but the actual name is the Amsella chair. 
So I've been going to a place called Eurospot in Oakville, but I think they're all around. Like there's several Eurospots. Is the Euro based off like urology or because it comes, it's a European place? It's funny because Eurospot sounds like a club, like a European, Mm -hmm. like dance music club, but no, it's urology, like U-R-O spot. And I've been, so I've done now six sessions. I've completed my training or whatever you want to call it. I did six sessions in three weeks. And you sit on this chair for 28 minutes. It delivers, I've explained it before, but it delivers like electromagnetic pulses through your pelvic floor, uh, the equivalent of 11,000 Kegels. So Mm. it goes through, because men and women can use this. So it helps sexual functioning in men and bladder control or like incontinence and stuff like that. Uh, And same thing for women. But you can feel it in like the pelvic floor extending from your front. So like where... um, your clitoris would be to way at the back to where your anus is and you feel the pulses going through this whole area it's wild but guys like I, I was skeptical I was really skeptical I didn't want to talk about it too much because the first couple sessions I didn't feel any change anyway I was not feeling good about it because I wasn't seeing a change I was like oh my god like I'm doing this whole thing this is a huge commitment it's huge time commitment everything and I was kind of feeling a little um a little sad at first because I was like, I really hope this works. I want to talk about it, whatever. Uh, And now it's like I'm a week beyond my last appointment and I'm better than I was like right after my last appointment. And from my understanding for the next six weeks, it's going to continue to like, I don't know, work. And then I just like at six weeks, that's when I will be at my best. Have you ever had to throw away a pair of pants and just like, there's too much piss in this <laughs> No. You've always just washed the piss pants? Piss. Like, first of all, not that. The only time that much pee comes out is when the whole family was like violently throwing up two weeks ago. And that was like a different story. But, but you kept those pa- pants. I wasn't wearing pants at that point. I okay. just had to sit on a towel. But it, I'm never peeing that much. And pee washes out. So easy. Yeah, I just remember when I was a child, sometimes I would do a full piss load in my pants and I would be like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm just throwing these out. Mind you, they were just, um, you know, Toronto Maple Leaf sweatpants that were probably worth $5. Why were you eating your pants so much as a child? Does this have to do with your Coke intake? Because I learned at my appointments, they make you watch educational videos and caffeine and carbonation can impact your ability to uh, not pee your pants. I had an extreme fear of authority. So sometimes, like in school, I would have to ask my teacher if I could use the washroom. And sometimes right. the teacher, you know, she wouldn't be around or she'd be helping a student. I didn't want to interrupt. I didn't want to get in trouble. Uh, and one time I had to go to like a special computer class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, it was like, because I was so inattentive, because I think I had like, uh, I had trouble focusing in school. So you, back then they always assumed you, you can't pay attention because you're so smart, right? Yeah. So they thought I was like hyper intelligent. So they put me in this class with all the other brainers who were actually very smart, (laughs) way smarter than me, like Mary Harrison, Mary Jane Douglas, very smart people. All Marys? Yes. I don't know what it was, but the the, the water, the people who named their kids Marys, (laughs) but something was up. Um, But I had to go to this computer class and I'm like, I really have to pee. And I'm in the hallway. I'm doing this longest walk ever. And I see other teachers, but I'm like, I don't know that teacher. I can't ask if I can use the washroom. And I'm walking by washrooms. Like there's a urinal right there, but I didn't ask the teacher. So I just didn't ask. So then I get to the um, 
the computer room mm-hmm. and I sit in the chair, but the teacher has to give a spiel <laughs> on how do you work the computers and I don't want to interrupt. Like, Little I think it was the librarian. Sweating. It was Mr. Butters. He was giving a speech. So then I'm just shaking, shaking, and I just piss. Oh, no, Shane. P- piss my pants full way through. So the teacher has to get me new pants, Aww. new underwear, comes back, and I'm just with the two brainers right and brainers are usually pretty shy and reserved and they're not trying to cause trouble but mary jane douglas she finds this pretty funny that i kiss my <laughs> pants and she's kind of smiling being co- so i go mary jane do not tell anyone please when we get back with all like the you know the mm-hmm. dumber kids don't don't tell anyone i mean regular kids don't tell anyone that I pissed my pants. So Miss Parsons, when we get back, it's like, what took you guys so long? And then Mary Jane goes, Shane peed his pants. <laughs> Instantly does this. And, uh, you know, this could be a false memory, but in my mind, that's exactly what happened. Everyone laughed. And then I just felt humiliated, like I could never go back to school. And at the end of school, it had circulated around, like everyone knew about it. Yeah. And there was Melissa Prouty, who she was also my grade, grade three. She saw me and she goes, I also peed my pants Aww. today. Oh. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, that's pretty old to be peeing your pants. I was almost embarrassed for her because I was like, I at least have a good excuse. Uh, so anyway, I threw out those pants because I was too embarrassed. And, you know, it's a walk of shame. Mr. Butters gives me a plastic bag filled with my piss soaked pants and i don't know how to do laundry in grade three i didn't know how till i was 30 so i was i didn't want to give my mom the pee soaked pants sometimes when i just had like a mid-level pee i would cover my pants in brute so, so which is like an aftershave cologne and then i would give my mom the pants and just be like oh like this great smelling stuff spilled all over these pants at what point were you not peeing your pants anymore uh what when did we meet <laughs> what year was that i don't know what it was when we locked eyes my uh urethra just started being normal um no uh i think that was it that that was kind of the end of it grade three was probably the last of it so i'd say if you have if you have kids and they're still peeing their pants past like jk here's some hope shane is a successful man who doesn't pee his pants anymore nocturnal peeing is way more normal than being conscious and just peeing your (laughs) pants while knowing you shouldn't well listen i honestly these stories just make me between the coke and the pee pants i just want to uh go back in time and give little shaney boy a hug Mm -hmm. poor kid oh just but you were a cute kid too and i just picture if you guys haven't seen shane as a kid when this gets released i will put up a picture of him as a little boy to go with it because he was the most adorable little kid um but yeah shane maybe you eventually because you had those i don't know maybe the m chair would do something for you when you get older and like as you age i might orgasm my pants though and no i don't i don't think it's gonna make you orgasm that's not how it works but well with you you said you were feeling not special on the tingles. chair not on the chair oh okay um but yeah no it's cool. And it's a cool machine. And clearly it works. And I will continue to update on how it goes and if things continue to get better, if they stay the same, if they relapse, whatever. I can be really open about it. Shane, I want to put a pin in this right here. The people have heard a lot about weird teeth, pee problems from both adults and kids. And I think that's enough for this moment. And I want to segue into 
an interview we're going to put up right now, which is our talk with Nick Vile. You guys know him from The Bachelor. You know him from The Vile Files. And we have him come on, talk about his own relationships, and then give like the most blunt relationship advice to our listeners who wrote him with questions. He's an intelligent man. He has good advice, and that's why I think he's got like one of the top podcasts in the world yes. right now. He's got he's got that EI emotional intelligence, right? Yes, and he's actually about to have a child himself. Amazing. Yeah, just he dropped it on uh, Instagram. Not the child. He just re- released <laughs> that information. I don't know why I'm wording things like that. So let's get to our interview with Nick Vile. Nick. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So getting right into it for the listeners, you were on initially The Bachelorette with Andy Dorfman. You were the runner-up. You were on The Bachelorette with Caitlin Bristow, runner-up. Bachelor in Paradise 3, you almost proposed to Jen Saviano. And then you were The Bachelor on season 21 and proposed to Vanessa Grimaldi. Mm -hmm. Have you been on The Bachelor the most out of anybody else in the franchise? I don't think so, actually, at this really? point. Well, with Paradise, yeah. it's like everyone's Fine just on wealth. constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think once Paradise kind of launched, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you have Chris Bukowski, but uh, I think when I went on, I was kind of a, a focal point of all the shows to a point where, like, when I was on, I was kind of on the whole whole right. season. So. But since then, um, yeah, I think a lot of people have come back. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Colton was on three times in like nine months. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Claire, I think even Claire has been on five times now. But uh, yeah, so there's actually a handful of people pretty much been on as much as I have. But certainly I've, I've, uh, there's probably nothing I haven't been a part of on that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have like the EGOT version of The Bachelor. (laughs) I. I, is, what's the EGOT? The EGOT's when you've won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if, there, if there is such a thing. Yeah. Okay. Out of all of the women that you connected with on the shows, because you did get so far with them, who did you love the most? Can we quantify that? I, I don't think I don't think so. No? no? Hindsight's, that, hindsight's 2020. Yeah. I mean, re- Vanessa's the only one I had a re- actual relationship mm-hmm. with. Okay. Okay. So there's a difference between kind of relationships on the show and in real life. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess Vanessa wins by default, I, I suppose. I was going to ask, so how soon after you make the decision to choose Vanessa, is it just like, not I've made a terrible mistake, but like, Ugh, this isn't going to work? Uh, well, I mean, I think everyone who goes on that show, uh, you know, once filming stops, there is a bit of reality sets in and there's a realization you have to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And I think every, every couple deals with uh, the inevitable struggles that come with kind of starting a relationship a little too fast. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it for you guys that you like had a hard time seeing eye to eye on or or whatever it was? Uh, There was nothing really specific. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it it would be hard to like quantify it into just one. So, Mm -hmm. but it was certainly a challenge. Okay, can uh, so settle a debate for me, I guess. Uh, it was three years ago at Just for Laughs. I saw Vanessa. <laughs> it was July 27th. I was actually wearing this shirt, It's funnily enough. And it just felt like I was sitting in her booth and kind of talking to her like I was fanboying out, I guess. And I was like, she seems like 
she's single. And everyone's like, nah, nah, she's with Nick. She's with Nick. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I, I don't know. And then five days later, it was announced that you two had broken up. At that moment, when I was with her in the booth, was were you two broken up? Or was it more of a, a decision like, oh, the, the day we announced it is the day we broke up? I don't think any Bachelor relationship just <laughs> yeah, randomly so. ends. There's obviously a lot of talks, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember the date we broke up. So right. uh, I, I'm pretty sure we broke up in August. Oh, okay. So, so it sounds like if that was July, then, then we would have been together. Jeez. But she's still very much made of look single. I don't know. No, maybe she's just a bubbly person. I don't know. She wasn't doing anything crazy. She was, you know, sometimes I get the vibe and I think I've uh, got a good perception of people and I don't have yeah. it. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, he called me that later, later that night and told me. And I was on the fence to whether I think it was flirting or bubbliness because you were happy enough to tell me about it. Yeah, I was very excited. I uh, know. I, I was very jealous regardless if she was together with you or not. Yeah, I have the picture right here. Um, <laughs> that's us. Together. You guys would have been a cute couple. Yeah, well, I had a, yeah, Nick, I, I didn't look good that night. I was still we with were, her. We were married. I wasn't flirting or anything. <laughs> I was just, you know, fanboying out. But I wanted uh, to ask, <laughs> uh, we were just talking to Blake Horseman not too long ago. And he, he was saying, he had an issue with you and Wells saying that you can't do a bad edit because there was a theory uh that wells had we just had wells on and he was saying oh you just your true character comes out in the edit you're either a bad guy or you're not and uh when we were talking to blake he said you kind of had the same thing and i thought that was interesting because you were portrayed a bit as a, a villain on your season so do you still feel that way well i no i think it's nuanced you know mm -hmm. um yeah i wasn't you know, people saw me differently on different seasons. Ultimately, I was the same guy. So I was the villain of Andy's season. I was the hero of paradise. You know, it, it all depends. But people get bubbled in a box. It's not It's not simplistic. People are considered villains because of music. It's not a... <laughs> I was just... Well, you of the most, I yeah. think. They, they really had to push to make you the villain. You'd like raise your eyebrow and it would, the song would change and I'd be like, he's bad. Listen, I, I wasn't happy with my soundtrack on Andy's season, you know? <laughs> no, it's, it's sometimes that simple. Um, yeah, I think Wells' explanation is a probably a little oversimplified. I didn't hear it, so I can't, you know, I'll take your word for it. You know, again, it's somewhere in the middle. I think, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to the show, uh, what the show does is try to show what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, the, the, it's the way the audience reacts to it more than anything. You know, when you go back and watch some things, we have a we have a tendency when we react to certain things on the show to uh, make a really big deal over small things mm -hmm. and criticize people for doing a lot of the same things that we do. So I, I've always said this. I, I firmly believe that more people who are not great people look better on the show than look worse. Why? Because very few people are made to look bad. Mm hmm on that show, you know, a handful of people, you know, most people, you know, you want, you want people to root for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not like you have a bunch of people. So most, most people look fine. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's oversimplified, but you know, we're all humans and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of things that people, you know, quite frankly, as I'm sure you can imagine, don't want to share mm -hmm. you know, when they go on TV. So it's a little oversimplified by Wells, but you know, I know, I know Blake had a hard time in paradise. And so, but, uh, you know, but also like, you know, with Blake, you know, 
again, people make a big deal about like his you know, stagecoach stuff. Most people in real life wouldn't care, but in, in yeah. paradise, it's like a cardinal sin. So. Yeah. And uh, showing the text, is that cool or not? Well, yeah, I wasn't, I was critical of Blake yeah. for that. But it, now do you think like, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad considering she said all this stuff about him on national television? Yeah, no, I have the same opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just, that's sharing personal information mm -hmm. just because you're unhappy with how, you know, you, you look. But isn't she sharing the personal information on a much grander scale on television? That's the part that always kind of confused me about the background. She's, she's not in control of what's aired, so. Right. You know, in the sense that he's, he's, yeah, that's my opinion. I, yeah, yeah I've been critical of it, but, mm -hmm. uh. I wouldn't have done that. And I don't, I don't think he should have. And I don't, my opinion hasn't changed, but I don't think he's a bad guy for it. I think he just yeah. made a mistake right. in a vulnerable situation. Yeah. So I, I just have questions kind of pivoting from that because you were like the last man standing a few times and then you got to not pick the women, but like kind of be more in control of the situations in paradise and on your season. So looking back to that, do you have, like hindsight 2020 again do you have any regrets for you know not picking a certain person not developing something with somebody like is it just like ah damn like shouldn't have picked this person no i mean i really don't i That's mean good. i have no regrets on my decisions and things didn't work out for with vanessa but i'm sure if i would have done it again hindsight 2020 it would all ended the same way yeah but um mm -hmm. yeah just often often is the case is that the the person's person is doesn't show up, you know, mm. and um, that's been the case for most of the bachelors. And how long do you wait before you text the person who came in second place? <laughs> I, uh, I after Raven. you break up, right? You know, and then maybe three years later when they need a favor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, I mean I have great relationships with a lot of the women from my season. We're mm. all friends, so mm. but uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. And <laughs> what are things looking like for you right now? relationship wise in this weird COVID time we're in like are you on Raya uh no no I've been but I'm mm -hmm. not and is so. is Raya all that's cracked up to be because we talked to Blake and he didn't seem to be able to get approved on that <laughs> he, he can't get approved he says he's been waiting Wait. for eight months <laughs> probably they, they they like to um protect people's identity. And I don't think releasing someone's text was a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if that's been their decision. They can't help. I'll tell you that mm -hmm. much, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was on it and uh, it's, it's fine. That's, that's nothing special. It's just some nice people. Um, is that how you met January Jones? Uh, that is not how I met January Jones. Mm. Yeah. So when, when you're like the, the hierarchy, I find there's like reality stars used to be considered like, oh, they're just reality stars. But then people like Tyler Cameron are dating Gigi Hadid, Wells Adams, obviously Sarah Hyland relationship going quite well. They're engaged. You, January Jones, these rumors, there's uh, Rachel Bilson, other celebrity things swirling around. It seems like you and January Jones dated, according to her. I know you say you're friends, but friendly with people you date, as I, as I heard you say. <laughs> So do you think the perception is changing? I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't paid too much attention to that. You know, I, 
I did this weird thing. Obviously, I've been very fortunate enough to do things like have my podcast, obviously, mm-hmm. with the platform that Batcher gives you, gives people who go on a lot of access. As far as people that some of us have dated, I don't know if that really, you know, the show gives you a lot of access, whether that's mm-hmm. meetings, whether that's meeting people. And sometimes when you meet people, there might be a connection, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I don't, I, but I don't know. I, I, ha- I can't say I haven't spent a lot of time t- trying to figure out like if our, if our status or credibility has taken a rise uh, because of some <laughs> of our, our dating lives, but you know, I don't know what, you know, what it was before, but I, I think uh, it's, fi- you know, it is what it is. It's kind of a weird thing to kind of evaluate. Yeah, but it's more of a whether you're sitting down and like, you know, counting points is one thing, but you can kind of get an inherent sense like, oh, more celebrities are kind of admitting they're watching The Bachelor and they're not just admitting they're huge fans, much in the same way it used to be an embarrassing thing maybe 10 years ago for a guy to say, I'm watching The Bachelor now. It's like the coolest fucking thing to say you watch The Bachelor if you're a guy because... Yeah, it definitely was a guilty pleasure. I think mm-hmm. social media changed that, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're just talking about... When social media really took off, The Bachelor, to your point, mm-hmm. started becoming cool and it was less of a guilty pleasure. I think because people just started posting about it and it was like, oh, we're all, mm-hmm. we all like this? Great, I guess it's cool now. And mm-hmm. that I think it includes a lot of celebrities, you know, anecdotally mm-hmm. going on talk shows and talking about it and... Uh, to that point, yeah, it's been kind of considered, at least watching the show, being a fan of it is kind of a, a fun thing to talk about. And I think yeah. maybe that wasn't wasn't always the case 10 years ago. It was more of a, a guilty pleasure. Is, do you find it dicey now that you are under such a microscope, especially it is about your dating life? That's how you kind of, we came to all know you. And then it's like, people probably feel like they have more license to ask you about your dating life since that's how you came to fame. I've noticed in a lot of interviews, you say we're friends and you're trying to be chivalrous, but is it just like, are you just like, I don't want to talk about my dating life so much? I mean, I'm personally pretty private when it comes Mm -hmm. to my dating life. Uh, I think as a result of it being under a microscope, but not so much under a microscope, but I don't mind it. You take the good with the bad with any Mm -hmm. of the stuff that happens. Like, it's fine. I don't like, I don't mind that they ask, but I don't see the need to talk about it unless it becomes something that I know it's going to be sustainable around for a while. So right. mm-hmm. uh, if, if people I date talk about it, that's fine. But I, I choose to just be a little bit more low key, especially in the early stages of relationships. What if you actually are friends with a woman? Do they ever get annoyed if you're saying, oh, we're just friends. And then the woman like is like, I, people are going to think we're dating even more now. <laughs> Cause that's like code for we're kind I have, of, I have a ton of women friends mm-hmm. and you know, there's always been a ton of rumors, some true, some not true. So there's always mm-hmm. people like speculating. It is what it is. Like can't, I can't have a, a woman guest on my podcast without people speculating. There's more to it, but um, that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Right. So when it comes to somebody like Hannah Ann, is there any chance we're going to get lucky with like yeah, an, exclusive, an exclusive an exclusive <laughs> scoop? It's been our dream to have some kind of scoop in any regard, but uh, yeah. just friends or is there a little I'm more so, you can yeah. spill? I, no, we're just friends. I wouldn't just, I, I don't plan. Uh, I guess anything's possible, but I've mm-hmm. highly, highly unlikely that I would ever uh, announce any relationship with someone who's been in vaccination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I try to avoid it. Um, I'm not against it. But short of that person being my person, 
I, I don't mm-hmm. casually date in Bachelor Nation, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a quote that Chris Rock had, I believe, where he said, you're only as faithful as your options. Do you think you're only as single as your options? Meaning there's so many out there. I might as well keep exploring and exploring and exploring. Uh, no, I don't look at it that way. I mean, as far as I'm, I'm at the point where I'm at, I, you know, you know what you want, you know what you don't want. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not anxious to find someone. I'm just looking forward to it. It, it happening so mm-hmm. yeah my dating life's great in a sense that um happy where it where it's mm-hmm. at and i guess i'll just leave it that at that no oh, that's good mm-hmm. i i was curious it's like dating life aside i i think about you know you guys going on and doing different things and i know that you are an actor and i was curious if being on the bachelor makes it harder to get roles harder to be taken seriously in hollywood things like that just because they know you as you know, mm-hmm. The Bachelor. Yeah. I mean, I've always said this. Uh, the show, like I said before, it gives you incredible access and mm. it gives you zero credibility. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's one of those weird things that usually you kind of have to have both to get into certain rooms, mm. even in life, you know. But again, go, people have such a fascination with the show. It will sometimes get you in rooms for reasons that you aren't interested in. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough to be aware of that fact. Mm-hmm. I have no uh, delusions that, I have this credibility that I don't have, you know, and that when I get access to some pretty unique things, uh, there's probably a reason why. And that gives me a chance to try to build up that credibility mm-hmm. um, through just doing the work and, and having a, a level of humility of why you might be in a certain room and, and just, you know, taking the time, whether it's classes or studying or interacting, it's just, yeah, just kind of having a, a, an awareness of that. So you got to work really hard on getting credibility. And to that point, yeah, sometimes you have to work a little extra hard. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, you're talking about acting. It's, it's easy to get pigeonholed in certain roles. Uh, Even like actors who are known for, for an acting role. Like sometimes the, if they have such a unique role, it's hard to break the mold. It's like, they'll always be that person from that show. It's, it's sometimes tough. Is there a certain type of movie or show that like you are, trying to film or get involved with or are you just kind of trying to take anything because you like acting uh definitely not trying to take anything mm-hmm. uh, i'm trying to be smart uh i've been fortunate enough to get some work i've turned down some work i'm just i'm also very fortunate that i don't have to rely on uh, a paycheck through acting mm-hmm. um so i can be selective with my choices and i can take time and study and do the work and uh, I have no like, oh, I got to make it big or do something by a certain date or I have to like move back to Wisconsin. So I'm very <laughs> fortunate to do things and other things in the entertainment space, you know, specifically, obviously, with Vile Files that uh, I can take my time and, and find projects that I'm you know passionate about or I think I could do well in or have some success. And um, obviously those, you know, it's not like I have a ton of offers coming my way, but I'm just trying to do the work and do it right. And if mm-hmm. it happens, great. But yeah, there's no there's no specific thing. I do want to be open, but be smart about my choices. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has parlayed their post-bachelor life or career the best or played the game the best? I, I don't know if there's a game. I mean, there's certain people <laughs> out there. Like, I'm very thankful that I've been able to carve out a career for myself. Mm-hmm. I know Rachel's obviously doing very well, but... 
you know, Wells, you know, he was kind of already in this space before he went on the show. So, you know, he's having a lot of success and, you know, obviously Ben and Ashley, you know, a lot of these, my friends are doing things in this space. You know, I don't know if it's from a game standpoint, but I think a lot of the people I didn't mention, I think one thing they have in common is they're, they're hardworking and they don't take the opportunity for granted and they don't assume that they're owed anything. And I think that's a, a common thing mm-hmm. theme with some of the people I just mentioned. So of a lot of the people that are, you know, really working towards something, a lot of them have podcasts. Whose podcast is the best, excluding your own? Uh, I can't say I've listened to all of them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Well, there's so many. It's, oh, it's impossible now. Yeah, excluding my own. I mean, I guess I'll just say the only one I really listen, you know, probably, I'll just say a tie. You know, Caitlin's and, and Ben's and Ashley's mm-hmm. and, and Wells shared theirs. Or I guess Rachel's too. Um, they're all fine. <laughs> I am thankful that mine was recognized by the Associated Press as the top 10 podcast of 2019. Wow. But That's huge. I was just yeah. going to say that, actually. I was For some reason, your podcast and Caitlin's always get mentioned as the best ones. And I was wondering, what do you think it is about yourself or your podcast that makes it kind of a cut above? I don't know if it is, but I mean, I'm half kidding, but uh, I appreciate the awards and recognition that my podcasts have gotten. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I take pride in the fact that Vile Files isn't, and I think Caitlin's is similar, but it's, you know, sometimes we'll talk about reality TV and the show, but you know, it's more relationship focused or just interview focused. And I've kind of just taken the time to kind of branch, branch it out to various topics. I like, asking questions. I like talking to interesting people. I just try to be as authentic as honest as possible and hope that people want to listen. If that's the recipe for success, then great. Uh, but so far so good, but I don't, I don't know if I'm doing anything special, but I, I do work hard on it. So I'm glad people do listen. You seem to have a gift for giving advice. Like, is that something you just fell into or you always knew from a young age, you were just like wise in some way? I've always kind of been the friend that people will come to for relation advice. And I think it's a combination of this is kind of how my brain works. And I have just a little, you know, a little bit of, you know, sometimes I, I have a hard time bullshitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the tough love friend. And um, I just always kind of been look good at looking at social dynamics in a situation that people seem to have found helpful and it's fun for me to do. I've always enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of uh, Files, my podcast, but yeah, I've always kind of been that friend. And a lot of it comes from, you know, your own experiences of things I've learned from my own life that I would have done differently in my early, earlier life. And a lot of the uh, advice I give again, like I said, it comes from things I wish I would have done differently Mm -hmm. or seen the world differently now. And a lot of it just comes from perspective. So, Speaking of your own experience, you are what one kid of nine or ten? I have a ten siblings, so there's eleven of us. Okay, that are your parents still together? Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so this that is insane to me. We have two kids, and some days I'm amazed that we make it through the week, and it's hard. I could not imagine that many. So I'm wondering if some of your, you know, your the way that you give advice and some things that you pull, is that from watching your parents try to navigate their relationship with 11 kids? Like, what did you learn from them that you kind of, that you admire and that you maybe wanted to improve on? Well, I mean, I learned a lot from my parents. My parents are were great role models. I had a really fortunate childhood. But yeah, probably, as, far, as far as the advice they give, probably not. Just because, you know, my, my parents' relationship, at least from my point of view as a kid, 
seemed perfect. I'm sure it wasn't as perfect behind closed doors at times, but I mean, in terms of like, you know, morals and, and things like that, my parents were great role models, but probably the relationship advice I give, if it comes from my own experiences, probably just comes from my own dating life mm-hmm. or friends dating life. And some of it is just kind of understanding people's psychology. I've just always been fascinated with that. You know, usually it just comes down to what our motivations are. And yeah. sometimes it's just really hard to be honest with ourselves when we're emotionally impacted by something and, and trying to understand that. But yeah, my parents were, were, were great role models. But in terms of, you know, it's like you learn as a kid that you know, respect is important because mm-hmm. my parents shed respect for each other. But I think that's like, you don't need to hear that from me or, you know, that's kind of a <laughs> common theme. But my, I had a, I had a very fortunate a vision of of a relationship and a marriage for my parents. Oh yeah. And how much do you think birth order matters in how what shapes you as a person? I find that the oldest or the youngest are usually like the breakout stars of the f- family. The the youngest <laughs> being the more attention getters, the oldest being more leadership stoic type roles. So where do you fall in and how much do you believe in that? I'm the second oldest. I'm the oldest boy. Uh, I don't know. I haven't put much thought into it. I'm sure it plays some sort of a role. Uh, I can't, I'm sure to what I don't know, but uh, (laughs) I'm sure it's a combination of different personalities. You know, there's, there's so many things I'm sure go into different, you know, who people are. Mm. Right. I'm not, I don't know if you guys are horoscope people, but uh, maybe there's some truth to that birth order. I don't know. Uh, But I, I, I'm sure it affects it to some degree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is that the kind of, I'm so fascinated when people have huge families, like so fascinated, but is that the kind of family dynamic that you're interested in having? Like a ton of kids? I, I definitely want a family. I don't, I mean, I don't suspect I'm going to have, I better get started fast if I don't have 11 <laughs> kids, but I don't suspect that's going to be the case for me. And to your point, yeah, I mean, I grew up in it, but it still blows my mind what my parents did. Um, yeah. I can barely take care of myself, so. No, it's it's wild. So they must be like two pretty passionate people to be able to conceive 11 times over. Did that come through when you were a kid, like their attraction to one another? I think it was, I mean, I'm sure my parents were really attracted together. It's not like they were all horned up. I think it was more (laughs) of a case of they, they weren't big on, uh, on contraception. Yeah. Uh, So I think that was more of a, no, they just pull the goalie and see what happens. Yeah, because you can have just as much sex and not that amount of children with coitus interruptus, yeah. aka the pullout method. Yeah, I mean, there's a fertility thing. Obviously, it seems that like my parents are fertile. There's that they got that yeah. going for them. But I, quite frankly, I, I I never sat them down and asked them for specifics and how it came to be. Other than the fact that I'm I'm quite certain they didn't practice any kind of of contraception. See, there was only two of us, myself and my brother, but I didn't need to ask them because even though our house was pretty big, I managed to walk in on them so many times. I never have. As far as if really? I really, truly haven't. No. That's amazing. I, what about, I used to hear my parents doing it a lot. Never. Even hearing them? No. Wow. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how Were they Were you guys it. off at the babysitters a lot? No, I was pretty lucky. I was the oldest boy and I had an older sister and so- I, I'm like an only child who has ten siblings. I kind of, I kind of got to do what I wanted because I, I had sisters who babysat. I mean, I've babysat. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. that that burden didn't fall on me too often. I kind of snuck through. So you didn't feel like you kind of had like an early experience, kind of almost being a dad, but with your siblings. 
Uh, being a dad, sh- no. I mean, certainly as an older brother, sure, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I had great parents. At no point was it like, oh, I had to raise these other ones or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I my parents were our fantastic parents. So I had a pretty fortunate childhood. All right. So, Nick, our listeners love you, uh, to put it bluntly, and they have some questions for you. We're hoping that you can help them out with some issues. Shane and I try to give them advice sometimes. I don't know that they're that that we are that great at it because they are so excited. Probably it's probably because you guys are so in love, right? You can't <laughs> objectively answer people's problems because it, it's like you you guys are the the overly smart high school teacher where everything's <laughs> just like, well, just just. You're too smart. You know, it's too easy for you. And, you know, you need people who are like have the same problems to break it down. Well, I I like that. But yeah, so here we go. If this is okay. Yeah, sure. All right. So first question, how do you move from a friends with benefits relationship to an actual relationship? And how do you kind of navigate a smooth transition? Uh, Well, probably you don't. Mm. Yeah. What, you don't do it at all? I mean, listen, there's exceptions to every rule, but uh, a friends with benefits or, or just friend zone, there's, there's usually a reason why that happens. Like, what's a friends with benefits also? Is that like, is that a You're having hookup? sex. You're having sex, but you're not exclusively dating. And for sure, one of the people in that relationship is probably dating other people. Yeah, I'm almost always in those cases... You would be together because one person wants more and mm-hmm. one person is happy the way it is, mm-hmm. right? So the only really way to actually, and it almost will never happen, but if there is a chance, you just have to stop doing what you're, something has to change, but mm-hmm. people are too afraid to like walk away. You have to stop having sex with the person. You have to leave. You have to put it out there that you want more. You have to state it. You have to have, be brave enough to say, you know what? I'm not okay with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I like you. And it's okay if you don't let me, you know, you act totally fine. You don't act desperate. You're just like, I'll be fine, but I want more. And if you don't want more, that's also fine. I'm going to go find it somewhere else. And then you see if they want to, uh, you know, keep it it's going a game of chicken. Yeah. yeah. But you can't, you can't beg, you can't ask, you can't plea, and you can't say you want more. And then when they say they don't want more, then you go, then you say, fine, We'll just keep doing what you want. Mm-hmm. And that never, that never works. You actually have yeah. to be willing to risk it. No, so. I, I think people get into friends with benefit situations because they don't want the heartbreak and then they end up getting it, you know, tenfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They play it safe and you're just dragging on the inevitable. So at the moment you want more, you should say you want more and be prepared to walk away. The, the biggest trick of getting anything you want in a relationship is be okay with hearing the answer you don't want to hear. That, that is sage advice. That is good. All right. Next question. Can relationships recover from cheating? Sure. Yeah. It can. I mean, it's one of those things where people ask like there's a golden rule. It's a choice. You know, you have to decide if you can forgive. Like what you can't do is forget. Like, so mm-hmm. if your like, rule is like, well, I'll forgive you if like I can magically forget it happened. No, you have to like accept it. You have to face it. You have to be okay with it. And you have to like decide whether you're going to forgive it. And if you do, then you actually have to forgive them. You can't be like, I'm going to forgive you, but like bring it up to you every fucking day. (laughs) So yeah, it's up to you. And you have to, you have to be okay with it. Like you can't have your friends judge you. You can't do all this. You have to decide that you're okay with it. And you have to figure out like why, why did it happen? Mm -hmm. You know, why was that level of trust 
broken? Can that level of trust, it's, 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 it's a little more, yeah, it's, it's not as simple as can you do it or not? Mm-hmm. Why did it happen? Will that stop? Will that, you know, kind of thing. And you have to kind of almost kind of re- reverse engineer you yeah. know, how it went down, but you don't owe it to them. And if you want to walk away, walk away. So do you think that most people, you know, think that you can't, you're sorry. Do you think that more people would maybe make relationships work after cheating if they weren't so scared about their friends and their opinions? Cause there's that mm-hmm. like shame and embarrassment when you get cheated on. I'm sure that plays a role sometime. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think more often than not people, I, I think what's more true is that people convince themselves that they want to try to forgive this person because they're afraid of moving on. Yeah. Uh, they're also want to forgive this person because they, their egos are hurt and they want to prove that they get, can get this person to love them again. And they probably aren't thinking enough about, do they really want to be with someone who hurt them? That's mm-hmm. usually what motivates people to try to make that work. It's, it's, it's probably less than the friends than their, their willingness to just decide that they deserve more. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know? um, all right. Next question. How to approach differences in family culture or religion with your partner? Honesty. I mean, you just have to deal with it. You know, it's also one of those things too. Like, depending on if you're a young couple. I mean, listen. I, this here, this will be a page out of my parents' book. There's one thing I learned from my parents <laughs> that I think would serve any relationship well, and I hope to have in my relationship is that they were a united front. They were a team. And, mm-hmm. you know, my parents even kind of talked about it when we were growing up and I, you know, I'd, we had close relationships with our extended families, but even as a kid, my parents made it very clear that they were the, they, they're what matters, like their opinion, their respect for another, my grand, like didn't matter what my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like in, in any relationship, you, it's like, you have to decide to make your partner the priority. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not 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 like one B to your mom or dad's opinion. Like if that's the only way it works, you have to decide that no matter what, we're going to make this work, and we hope that other people will agree with us. We'll hope that other people will support us. But if they don't, we don't need them to be successful. Yep. yep. And then you just have to decide. But if if you're trying to change the other person's, you know, belief system or opinion to like fit your family, that that's never going to work. Mm-hmm. So fuck the families, do it for you guys or else you're screwed. Speaking of supportive partners, Nick, Shane had a supportive move recently. Ooh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> what is this? Shane, that was getting me on to Magic Mind and helping me to break my bad coffee habits. Your bad coffee habits. Drinking way too much coffee, getting jittery, and then trying to be really productive, but that not actually coming to fruition because I'm too jittery yes. and brain foggy. Yeah, we like to take one a day, one coffee a day, one magic mind a day too, mm-hmm. and then just leave it at that. It's amazing because then I can actually ditch the coffee and be clear-minded throughout the day and get all the stuff done on my list. Yeah, I found a much sharper. I'm taking less pauses in between words because that yes. for me, for whatever reason, it's a big thing. It's like my brain is kind of in <laughs> slow motion. Uh, but yeah, Magic Mind has really, I don't, what do I say, life-changing. 
Honestly, I guess for a person with ADHD, uh, it c- can be considered life-changing. Or some a busy mom with brain fog around 2 p.m. It's life-changing, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and I also like the fact that they've got cordyceps mushrooms. Helps my autoimmune stuff, you know? Yes. Helps my inflammation. But one exciting thing, we actually got the team at Magic Mind to get us a promo code to share with all of our listeners. So we have 20% off your purchase with Family Tree 20. It's a one-time purchase, but you can get it at magicmind.com slash family tree. Redeem the discount code. Again, that's family tree 20. And let us know how it works for you guys too. Because for me personally, it helps me tackle these interviews and especially questions like the next one we're getting to because it's a bit of a doozy. Uh, Next, we've got my partner doesn't like going down on me and I'm offended slash unsatisfied. I think I covered this on my podcast at launch today. I Did mean, you? Yeah. I mean, break so up. I go mean. there. Break up. Is there is there any teaching? Like, do you think Well, listen, I don't I don't think it's people sometimes think like that's somehow superficial to to uh, in any relationship, people want to be with someone who cares about their needs mm-hmm. and feelings. Mm-hmm. Right? You, they want to be with someone who wants to be selfless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that includes the bedroom. So sometimes we always have to do things in a relationship you don't want to do, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I find it nuts that a guy wouldn't be interested in, 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 in making his partner happy. But like on some level, like there should be a level of like what makes you happy, and and you're only asking it not because like you're gonna you're not gonna agree with it because you are okay with it. It's not like you know sometimes you go to the ballet. Because they like the ballet, not because you also like the ballet or they go to the football game. I don't know. But sometimes you do things just because they're happy. That's that's, mm-hmm. how, that's how it works. And, and the bedroom's no different. So uh, if a couple was trying to make a compromise, right? So like, so this is a woman writing it. So the guy doesn't like going down. The woman wants him to. Clearly, they want to stay together. What do you think is a fair compromise? Like how many times should he be going down on her to, you know? I don't think know, there's a compromise. I think you just... The, the compromise is you need to start caring about my happiness in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's no, the, I like some that. things you don't meet in the middle. You just, mm-hmm. you're willing to do it or you're not willing to do it. No. I think, I think if in this situation, she should definitely stop going down on him. <laughs> no, that's you definitely know? a good call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when it comes to relationships and sex, like I think our society, our culture has you know, men have had it good. A lot of people, for better or worse, learn a lot about sex through porn. Porn is very much designed for men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both men and women often learn really bad habits about expectations or what's normal in the bedroom. And a lot of that is like, as long as the guy is getting off, everyone's supposed to be happy. And clearly, obviously, that's not the case. And I think men, men and women probably should get better at talking about it to kind of break down those stereotypes. What do you think of like a no porn rule in a relationship? I mean, I, I think porn's fine, but you just, everything in moderation, you know, mm. it's gotta be healthy, you know, like if you want to watch porn, great. If you're watching porn in, in lieu of ever having sex, then that's a, that's a bigger, pro- you know, mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. So I think that could be a fun thing to do in relationships, but in a relationship, I think those things you have to discuss. I don't think it's healthy to be in a relationship and forbid people to do things like watch porn or have, you know, 
mm-hmm. masturbate, you know, like the weird thing. And, you know, young couples think like if they, if you're together, then all of a sudden you're not supposed to allow to have your own quality time. So it's different when you do it for yourself, for men and women, you know, mm-hmm. right. It's just different. Yep. Um, so that's just, I think that's something that young, young couples just, it's, you have an expectation of what you think a relationship should be versus reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. But it becomes a problem when it's in lieu of sex. Yeah. If you're never, yeah. If, yeah. if, if it's, if it's replacing sex, then it's a problem. If it's potentially enhancing it, then it's well, There you go. Yeah. And both parties are satisfied. Yeah. It's like if you're eating ice cream instead of dinner, it's a problem. It's an issue. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. It's good. It's a great analogy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So this one uh, is from a married listener. So I'm going to try to reword it so it can be uh, more accessible to everybody. So she says, how do I not throat punch my husband who is sleeping at 2 a.m. while I am breastfeeding? So I guess we could say, how do you not resent your partner when you don't think the work they're putting in is equitable? I mean, I think it's kind of similar, quite frankly, to the, the last question. It's just a different thing that's a problem. But what if you're married and it's already like, you know, you're not just going to break up. And the man can't do anything if there's breastfeeding going yeah, on. He, like he, 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 he should get his rest. She, the mom needs a rest too. And, and honestly, so like we in our relationship have determined that I'm the nighttime breastfeeder because I have breasts that produce milk. Yeah. We didn't deter- <laughs> Yeah, okay. No, no, no. But some can't, of- can't, can't you like pump or something? Well, no, that's bottle? the thing. That's the thing. However, I I like breastfeeding. No, there's okay. more to it. She's on, <laughs> she's on maternity leave. So, and we have yeah. a, a nanny in the house. So she can mm-hmm. sleep in the daytime. Mm-hmm. I've got a full-time job. I actually have two jobs that I'm and working. And you have sleep issues. And I have insomnia. Mm-hmm. So if I wake up, I don't go back to sleep. Then I got to cl- complete yeah. my job and then go do my other job. Mm-hmm. So. No, but we, we. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think every situation is different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we I just don't know a lot to about this girl you know. who wants to throw and punch her husband. <laughs> but if I were to oversimplify her question, it sounds like, you guys have it worked out, right? Mm-hmm. You understand yeah. whatever. But it sounds like maybe there's a theme with this guy where he seems to be unwilling to do his part. Maybe he's like, not going down on her. Yeah, maybe, maybe you know. Not. And so my guess is, yeah, yeah, right. If, if, if you like, if she likes breastfeeding or whatever, but, and he's just really not willing to do his part, maybe that's just like a metaphor for the bigger part of the relationship. I just think in general, like, you got to be willing to do things you don't want to do. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of relationships that early on, whoever, if it's the guy or the girl, they, they get in these really bad habits mm-hmm. of you can't do, you can only do hundred percent of your half. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes in, in relationships and when people date, they, they are doing hundred percent of their half and, and 30% of the other person's half. Mm-hmm. And eventually, eventually it doesn't work out. You might do that into marriage and then you set some really bad examples for each other and you get these really bad habits, but event there's a breaking point. I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe it's in six months, maybe it's in 10 years, but eventually you're going to be like, fuck this, you know? And a lot of people do that. They, they, they make up for what the person's not giving them and thinking that will be enough. So when you were a younger guy or now, I don't know, did you have any bad habits that you kind of had to realize and step back from and then break before you you know tried to get into more serious relationships uh yeah i'm sure i i'm sure i have i probably still have a lot of the, the same ones but again i mean as far as the basic stuff i i was, I was definitely the uh in my first couple of relationships you know i have that fixer mentality i was 
I was trying to do 100% of my half and 20% of theirs. Mm-hmm. I definitely, that's something I learned on my own. You know, a lot of it's this communication style, you know, things like that. Part of, I think for me, the thing you learn for anyone as you get older, you just kind of learn about who you are, mm-hmm. right? I think when you're, when, you're old, when you're younger and dating, you still don't know entirely who you are. You're trying to figure it out all while getting to know someone else. And I think in every relationship, it's good to have compromises, right? Do your part, do things you don't want to do. There's also a benefit to saying, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'll work to get better on things that are like reasonable, but this is who I am. So if you're expecting me to be someone different, then I can tell you right now, it's not who I'm going to be. And I think when we're younger, we try to change who we are to make other people happier, set expectations. And I think there's a lot of beauty and especially when you have is in life, you, you just get more comfortable with saying, this is who I am. That's not an excuse for being a piece of shit or not doing your part or being lazy, but just not trying to be someone you're not. Mm-hmm. Are you the type of guy who likes to just keep moving forward and not stopping to reflect on the past? Uh, no, I'm I'm really good at dwelling on the past. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts on therapy too? Because uh, I have, I think, ther- st- yeah, I think therapy is great. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of therapy. And do you think it's a lifelong thing, or is there a point where you can be done therapy? I mean, I'm not an expert, but I think mm-hmm. both. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I think sometimes people can, like anything else. Yeah, I think you could use a break from therapy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think some people, you can get addicted to anything. I think people get addicted to therapy. So I don't, again, this is not, I'm not an expert, so don't want it. But like everything's, I'm a big guy. I'm a, I'm a Libra balance, you know, like I think therapy can be a beautiful thing, but sometimes if you've done it like every week for five years and you're just kind of ruminating and talking over, and I think some people's personalities respond better to therapy as well. I think, uh, I think for myself, I'm overly analytical. I like to break things down. And sometimes for me, I need to take a mental break from constantly just talking about uh, my problems. Sometimes I didn't need to like let that go. And so uh, I think it's different for everyone. In general, I'm a big advocate for it. But mm-hmm. I think, yes, I think you don't have to always do it. It's not for everyone. And I think it's always good to take a little bit of break from anything you're doing on, on a regular basis. True that. All right, two more. So we've got, I've been married for 38 years and my husband has ADHD. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not, man. I don't know. Right? I mean, 38 years, I don't. It's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. You know, I, I think my, who am I to give advice to someone who's married 38 years? But if I were to try, I would tell her to find find satisfaction in the small victories, you know, small mm-hmm. steps, you know, get him to compromise a little bit. Uh, you're not going to change this guy. It's, he is who he is, you know, but if you can maybe get him to get out of his comfort zone a little bit, that's a small win. What do you think is the cutoff for teaching old dogs new tricks? Is there an age? Like, are you too old to learn new tricks? Is Shane too old to learn new tricks? I think it depends. I think, def- I think you have to define that, right? Mm-hmm. For you, when did the jello set? I think the jello sets for all of us much earlier than we realize. Mm-hmm. Right. We just don't know what the, the jello looks like. I think <laughs> part of it is figuring out what the flavor is, you know? <laughs> We're so deep in this jello analogy. I don't even know what it means anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's more about figuring out who we are, mm-hmm. right? I think the difference is we spend a lot of time figuring that out and then trying to be different versions, but we are who we are. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's always good as people to get out of our comfort zones, right? And to try new things. Like it's not going to change who are we who we are at our core, but it might expand our comfort zone with things. Uh, we might learn to like things we didn't realize we would like and, and things like that. But we are like we are always going to be who we are. And mm-hmm. I think that's I think it's healthy to accept that. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't work on self-improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference there. It's, it's nuanced. No, absolutely. And the last one is the most salacious from an anonymous listener. I'm dating a guy who loves me, but I'm attracted to his single older brother. I mean, it's not going to work out with either of them. But what if what if she stays with the guy that she's dating because he loves her just to get close to the older brother and just to always maintain I mean, that closeness? She could. It's it's what I'm like. The real answer is it's not going to work out with any of them. She doesn't. <laughs> Uh, again, anything's possible. Most likely, it's not. It's not. It's going to get messy. But I don't know what she's going to do, you know. But my my bold prediction is that this will not. She won't end up with either of them. So I don't really have an advice, rather than a bold prediction that <laughs> I would. If I would have bet money, and only knowing that information is that she's going to end up with someone other than those two. Because it's just. Uh, it's just going to get messy. You know, it's uh, what are the chances that she goes to the guy she's dating and be like, sorry, I'm just, you know, want to have sex with your brother. And, you know, we don't even know if the brother is even interested. in her. No, it's true. My guess is probably not. Well, it, it would be weird if he was because that would be just overstepping your boundaries as a brother. Well, you can still be interested and not act on it. True, true. Mm-hmm. But like, OK, Bachelor Nation is so kind of incestuous in a way. That do you think like have you been in a position where you know it was like this, but for you know your friend group? No, I, I personally haven't, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's different than having a brother or a sister. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I'm friends with Chris Souls, Caitlin was on Chris Souls season. So there's that dynamic. You don't really think about that, and it's a little different. But uh, and like I said, I'm not really date I don't really date in that that circle anymore. But mm-hmm. um there's certainly some overlap in Bachelor Nation, that's for sure. <laughs> I wanted to ask about the recent season of The Bachelor. I'm fascinated with it. Uh, Bachelorette? What's it called when the woman's the main person? The Bachelorette. Bachelorette. Uh, how Claire left. Now, you know, you're the older brother. I feel like you're a responsible guy and uh, wouldn't do that to the series. Do you think that's an irresponsible move? Uh, I, I, I I think I'm very different than Claire. I mean, I would agree with that. I you know, I think it's gonna be really interesting. I think anything's possible with Claire. I think when it comes from a TV standpoint, that's a great thing. Uh, I think we'll all be entertained. I really don't know much. I don't know much more than the average fan. I really, you know, I don't know anything more than the average fan. I was just wondering, Um, though, if you would do that as someone who's actually been in that position, is the weight of the responsibility so much that it transcends love? No, but those things aren't mutually exclusive, Mm -hmm. right? And I guess to your point, I didn't do that, right? Mm -hmm. And from the rumors I've heard, because I don't know uh, any facts, but uh, uh, she would be, if if the rumors are correct, then every other lead before her chose not to do what people are saying she did, right? you know, and it's not because their situation was any different than hers. So in other words, everyone kind of knows earlier on than they let on, obviously, and they all choose to stay for the, for the sake of entertainment. Well, it's not realistic to fall in love with 30 people equally for nine weeks. 
right? Mm-hmm. So um, to that end, yeah, I mean, you you it's always you always have favorites and non-favorites, and especially early on in the show because you are making a TV show, um, you don't get to you have you can't just go out with your favorites, you know. This doesn't make that you can't make a TV show You're only going on dates with two or three people. It doesn't, it's not how it works. Like I've always said, they're trying to make a great TV show and they also want two people to fall in love. And most of the time, those things are more than possible. Is she taking a financial hit at all? Like, is like obviously the contestants do, I don't, (laughs) well, you, well, you were the bachelor. Like, do they pay you? To be the, uh, the, the the leads make money, but as far as how the, I don't, I still really don't know what happened for sure. I don't know her mm-hmm. contract or what she made, or I have no clue. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. But do you do? Does everyone make different? Like, is it like the NBA where it's like, oh, we think you're going to pull these numbers, therefore we've come up with this equation. That I I honestly don't know. My guess is it's it's not the same number for mm-hmm. every single person. Obviously. Over the years, things change, but I don't know that for sure. But my guess is it's not the same for everybody. But I, I also would say that I don't think it's there's that there's not that much of a delta either. Delta is this a poker term? Like a difference, you know? Oh, okay. I think it's all within the same range. Yeah, you don't know EGOT, I don't know Delta. Okay, my last, my very last question is bachelor related. Bachelor related. Uh, do they? How much do they indicate like the producers sway you into like, hey, could you just keep these people like near the uh, end? I've always I've always said they'll never make you send someone home that you are interested in pursuing a relationship. And that that is more than enough to like make you happy and let them yeah. also make a great TV show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unlike the woman whose husband doesn't go down on her, are you satisfied? Questioning? Damn. You got them all out. <laughs> yeah, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Nick, thank you so much. If people want to check out your podcast, follow you on socials, where can they go? Uh, check out the Vile Files anywhere you can find a podcast, Nick Vile on Instagram, and then Vile Nicholas 28 on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And uh, enjoy the Thanks rest of the Thanks for having week. me, guys. Appreciate good it. luck with that move. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Bye, all right. Nick. Have a good night. Bye bye. Man, that Nick, I swear he knows a lot. I love these bachelor, like the old school bachelor contestants. And I'm saying old school because this, when was the next season? Like eight years ago? It feels like he was at the apex of when bachelor was hot. Maybe it's still hot now. I'm just out of the loop. Look, I feel like it's not hot. Nobody's talking about it. I actually, okay, I got to rescind that a little bit because nobody has been talking about it. Until very recently, I actually heard somebody saying that the golden bachelor, aka like they've got a geriatric bachelor is he peeing everywhere is that why he's gold (laughs) (laughs) but i actually heard that he's great and that this season is good i can't speak to that myself because i haven't seen it yet but i actually am interested yeah but it's a gimmick season i'm interested in it though i think i think that it's going to be more authentic than the people they've had on in recent years it's been unwatchable you and i used to be obsessed with it we haven't turned it on once Uh, maybe it's because we're kind of cord cutters we do have the ability to watch television, but I mm-hmm. think, you know, you got the Netflix, the this and that, and just changing a cord to get our cable, that's True. enough barrier of misentry that we don't do it. True. By the way, Shane, take a look at that thing I built. Guys, our TV was a disgusting mess. 
it was such a mess of cords and cables and we didn't have any uh what do you call that a shelf a unit yeah to put our stuff in look what i did it's babe. very nice okay with my bare hands bare hands that's all i wanted to say okay let's get to the mailbag segment though <laughs> okay so the first question we have what is your favorite way to spend time with the kids Spend time with the kids. Uh, I like. I don't know, like my favorite time with the kids might be at nighttime when the the children they're trying to stall and philosophize about life and ask <laughs> deep questions. That's a very fun time. They kind of just cut the bullshit and just they can really tell you about how their day was. They'll really open up and tell you about their friends. They do, eh? That's Lucy's time for telling you about school. Like, I'll ask her something right after school, and she'll be like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Nothing. Fine. This. Mm -hmm. But at night, when they're grasping at every straw to stay up as late as possible, <laughs> they'll open up and just get deep about life, death, uh, their personal relationships, uh, who's bullying them. You really get a lot of, I don't use expressions like the T, but if I did, I would say it there. Uh, as far as like real activities to do, I like, it's like a restaurant's always fun. I don't know. Mm. I just like a restaurant hanging out there. Maybe that's more for me than bonding with the kids. Uh, going on a hike's always fun. Mm -hmm. I like uh, I like doing something. Anytime we leave the house and do something, like love going to the movie theater with them because we turn it into such a thing, right? Like we'll go and we'll get dinner beforehand, that theater food. They've actually got amazing chicken tendies there at Cineplex. We do that. They have good pizza. They have a good personal yes. pan pizza. They used to have pizza pizza. And I don't know what it is. Something about a personal pan pizza, regardless of the brand, it's just, it's always hot. It's always fresh. It's the alliteration. It sounds fun. But this new pizza they have, which is kind of a no-name like Cineplex pizza, mm -hmm. it has that good, cheap, tangy quality. I don't know what it is, but it is very good. And I'll put it up against any main major pizza, pizza chain. No, I love that. Um, but yeah, and then we, we, you know, we play in the, what do you call it? The arcade. We win them some toys and then go see the movie. And I love buying them even like, you know, paying a little $3 extra to get the fun kids meal that has the character of whatever movie we're seeing. And it just is such an event and they love every part of it. And it's such a blast. And then like just going to a farm or something like that. Yeah. We had a good one. We went to a pumpkin patch. Yes. There's, there's a lot of people there, though. So you got to get there early because mm -hmm. I really, you know, I don't like crowds of strangers and I don't even like crowds of people I know when I'm at a pumpkin yeah. patch. I kind of just want to be with my family and I'm always kind of scared I'm going to bump into somebody I know. Well, I find when we go with friends and like that's fun for its own reasons, but then... I'm taken away from experiencing it with the kids and then it's like our kids just kind of run around with the other kids and then we're talking to our friends and it takes away from like seeing those cute moments. Like when we went this weekend, we were walking through the pumpkins with our wagon trying to pick out pumpkins and the kids were having a blast like showing us the pumpkins they wanted. It was like so cute. Like there were so many cute little moments. Yeah. And then you and I get to have fun moments together too, which if we were with a bunch of other friends, we wouldn't be having and to be honest, like we haven't had a date night in a while and I will take those little moments where I can get them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, date night aside, because I'm not like, ooh, this is our little makeshift date night. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I need to, if I'm going to be hanging out with my friends and their kids, it has to be planned. 
and I have to mentally prepare for it in some way. I don't know why, but I hate bumping into friends at like a pumpkin patch Mm -hmm. with their kids or a park, just anything like that. I don't know why. I don't know if anyone else is out there like this besides you and I. But I, a friend messaged me, said, hey, are you at the pumpkin patch? Because you were posting <laughs> online. And I was like, yep, just leaving. <laughs> and I felt relief. And this is a friend I'm super comfortable with. Love this person. Love their family. But it's just a thing. And I don't know. Some people are very, I guess, extroverted mm-hmm. with their children. You're kind of extroverted in real life, but maybe introverted when we're with the kids and the family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Getting out of the house, doing stuff. Next question. Actually, okay, sorry. I had other questions on this subject and it made me really want to revisit a question that we did last week on the last podcast because I have now seen the thing with my own eyes and I have stronger opinions about it. So the question that we were asked on the last podcast was about David Beckham and they talk about this in the new documentary on Netflix called Beckham missing the birth of one of his kids because he had to do a um, a shoot with Beyonce and J-Lo. Yeah. And last week I was like, yeah, I don't like it. I wouldn't feel good about that. And this week I'm like, how did Victoria not freak and leave him or threaten to leave him or just stop the photo shoot for happening or scream at him to change it to another day? Because she was, I felt so bad. She's sitting in the documentary, we're watching it, and she's like, look, he's going to do a photo shoot with J-Lo and Beyonce, two of the most beautiful women on, women on the planet who are not about to give birth. And I'm just sitting there, not feeling gorgeous, about to give birth, and then having had just given birth. And it's the birth of your freaking child. And plus, like, they get into, and I'm, I'm going to get into these in the questions because we had a question about it, but... They get into, you know, some marital problems they had. And it's like, this is after the marital problems. I could not stand for that. I don't understand. Having watched it, has did you change at all? Like, because last week you were like, oh, well, it was good money for the family, whatever. But did you change your opinion on that at all, having actually seen it? I think I would, if I was the woman, if I was mm-hmm. Victoria, I would really, really want David Beckham to be there. Mm-hmm. But I would also be thinking, oh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So is seeing the birth of your freaking kid. I already had a kid. Once-in-a-lifetime actually has to be once. That one kid, that one kid is only born once. Yeah. Listen, I love both kids (laughs) equal, (laughs) as equal as humanly possible. However, Betty's birth was a bit of a snooze fest compared to Lucy's birth. But you're going to leave the wife there dealing with that alone? Uh... For Beyonce and J-Lo, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. With the money associated. I would kill you. I would be so... I don't know if I'd ever be able to let it go. Like, even just thinking about it, I don't know if I could let it go. You know what I mean? Thinking about it is making me angry about it. Even though it's not a... I'm done having kids and I don't know if you're going to do a photo shoot with J-Lo and Beyonce, but like... I'm more into Jessica Alba, I think. (laughs) Don't actually make me mad. Not now. I mean, when she, like <laughs> back then, now I'm over her. Um, but next question. Do you think Bex cheated on Victoria? So this was in the tabloids years ago. What year was this in, do you think? This, what, like 2006? Yeah. So that he had an affair, whatever. Uh, they talk about it a little bit in the documentary. They kind of tiptoe around it. They've always publicly denied it. Um, 
and said that didn't happen, whatever. But then the way they talked about it in the documentary was very... He did. He obviously it seemed did. Like it it yeah. watched the doc. I mean, you don't have to be a body language expert to deduce, oh, he cheated. He's using special language. Victoria talks about how she was against him at the time. He has a, a statement that he makes where he, he gives a lot of body language saying, like, I'm guilty. I feel bad about this. And he says, well, you know, it was a very difficult time. And I, why am I doing this voice? I don't know what it is. He's got a higher voice, but this is, it's not like this. Sorry, David, if you're listening. But he was saying that he didn't have his family with him. And then he kind of pauses. He looks off. He gets teary-eyed. And he kind of leaves it at that. This is a very pro-David Beckham documentary. He's being interviewed. He's obviously approved of this documentary. Had he not cheated, he would have made it abundantly clear that he hadn't. He would have said, in no uncertain terms, I did not cheat. Instead, being wishy-washy is an admission of guilt in the, the best way they could have done it. Okay, or so the most acceptable way that he would want to release it. I, I feel like in the pit of my stomach, that's what's true, but I'm really I'm holding on to a couple things because I really don't want to think of him as somebody who cheated. Like he had two little kids at the time, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like it breaks my heart and it makes me think of him a little bit differently. But So I'm trying to do mental gymnastics here because he is a bit of a, like, he's an interesting guy. He's got an interesting personality. He's a little bit different. He's a little bit more withdrawn. He likes things to be very particular, just so he's a big family guy. Um, And he seems very loyal, like to clubs, to like to football clubs, to nightclubs, (laughs) no, to like family, whatever. No, but um, so I think I'm wondering if maybe even just the insinuation and the rumors that were going around because it was in all the tabloids they were talking about it on everything like that's going to cause you and your wife to have a rift regardless because there's going to be a period where it's like well who do i believe do i believe you do i believe the tabloids whatever and it's going to be so difficult regardless and is the fact that maybe he didn't have an affair with but maybe got too close with the assistant in question um was that enough to make him feel guilty and like you know what i mean you wouldn't, you would say it. You'd be like, I just gave her a full body massage and that was it. <laughs> you wouldn't leave it so ambiguous. The ambiguous nature of this documentary means he did it. Oh, like, it I'm not saying so 100% positive, but mm-hmm. I'm 90% sure. Like, I work in television. I know the yeah. what you do. And he left it very open to interpretation, meaning you, if you didn't do it, you don't leave it open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Not saying no is basically saying yes. But he could have not said no because they've already said no many times. Say it in the doc that's being released on Netflix. No, it, David, why didn't you do that? It, it is heartbreaking. I really hate it. Why is he looking off and crying? Because he gave the full body massage or sent the DM? <laughs> and No, I think he did it. And, uh, you know, I hate him now. It makes me sad because I really, I really do like him. He's so likable in this documentary, but it makes me, um, it makes me really sad. Uh, okay, so the last Beckham related, not really, but kind of related question in the documentary. And I think it's a good question, a good thing for couples to think about, just in general. But David leaves a lot for work. In the beginning, it was more Victoria going on tour, and David stayed put in England where he was playing on Manchester United. But then as he got better, David was playing football in Spain, in Italy, in France, whatever, and L.A., and having to move all these times. But Victoria is raising a family, 
And she had to put her kids in school. She had to have a foundation for the kids, whatever. So she wasn't moving with him. They'd be together on weekends, but throughout the week, they were not living together. So the question is, if your spouse needed to move away, how would you handle that as a family and as a person? Millions of dollars make your life easier. So is your spouse moving <laughs> away and giving you millions of dollars and making your life easier? It's, it's how hard is your life going to be? Mm-hmm. So if they're just moving away and they're doing a job that pays $100,000 a year mm-hmm. or 200000 that's not that helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not nothing. But if they're making 250 mil, <laughs> which, which is what David was which making, which is one of his paychecks for working for one year he made, mm-hmm. I say, uh, I'll see you when I see you, you know, like <laughs> let's have a little bit of alone time for a very brief period so we can set the rest of our lives up so we can be very comfortable and ultimately spend more time together. Yeah, but it's also how much is it doing for your life, but then how much grief is it causing you? Because if you know, I'm just going to say like if you're David Beckham and you've been possibly having this affair and then you come back and then you have to go and move away to another place and Victoria is just like, well, my husband's been doing this for his self to make a name for his self in football and then go and be with other women. So you're going to live in like constant anger and resentment and like agony and not feeling respected. So I think that plays a huge I think that plays a huge part. So I was thinking like if one of us had to move away, whether it was me or you like for work, like for a contract, oh man, like I I would hope that we'd have enough flexibility in our jobs or like vacation time or something that we could go as a family. You know what I mean? Because I'd have, I don't personally, I'd have a very hard time doing that. I, I don't know if I could. Yeah. The good thing for Victoria is David Beckham is so famous. He couldn't go to the washroom without being photographed. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's probably the best looking person to ever walk the earth. So any woman, she's not keeping that zipped. She's going straight to the press who's willing to pay for the story. So even if he wanted to be super sneaky, I don't think he could be. Prostitutes. Yeah, They're the- not going to go to press. David Beckham prostitutes. (laughs) The prostitutes are paying him. (laughs) That's where his real big contracts came from. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, just my personality, I could not do it. I could not be with somebody who I had to move away from for lengths of time. Um, You get two million bucks. No, Shane, I would be living in fear. I would, honestly, I would be living in hell and it would be bad for the kids because I would just be like, not myself. It would be bad for everybody, trust me, because then I would be pissed off at my husband all the time. I would be pissed off in my own head and like sad all the time. And I wouldn't be able to be exuberant, whatever, for the family. It'd be bad. Okay. What about you? You'd be fine. What do you mean I'd be fine? Well, the way you're saying this right now, I, I feel like maybe you'd be fine. Well, I like, I would like to have all that money. <laughs> it would be nice. And I feel like it would overall so, okay, make so life easier. Listen, so if you were here with the kids, working, doing the school thing, whatever, and I had to move away for six months to Paris. Yeah, it's a juice versus squeeze situation. Mm-hmm. What's the juice? What's the squeeze? Then we do the math equation. I'm all for short-term pain mm-hmm. for long-term gain. 
I hate short-term pain if there's no gain. Yeah. Like if when when you were going, I, I remember you had these uh, trips you used to do where you would teach abroad for a month. Not yeah. like a, I'm not being like you should teach a woman abroad. Like like you'd actually go. Yeah. Teach children. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got paid very little, but you mm-hmm. got the travel experience. But it felt like that was not a good juice squeeze situation. You see, for me, I wasn't dating anybody at the time that no, but I mean, I cared wh- to leave. While we were planning our wedding, yeah, you dropped this little bomb. Oh, yeah. that, well, I'm going to Cozumel to teach children <laughs> while we're planning our wedding <laughs> to make virtually nothing to go on a glorified vacation where you can't even relax because you're always looking after children. I was going to come back two weeks before our wedding. Yeah, so. I never believed that you were going to do that. It felt like one of your little tests that you like to do. Uh, but still, the, even the bringing up that felt ridiculous. Well, you know what? A lot of people that I worked with did things like that. Or like their spouse would like have a baby and then they'd leave three weeks later to go on one of these things. Which was wild to me because you're right. Juice, juice worth squeeze. Like you're leaving a woman to take care of a newborn baby alone for $2,000 for a month. Like if you're getting a, a hefty sum of money and paying for a nanny or someone to live yeah. in and help, then it's kind of let's let's talk. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what are you doing? Yeah. And I do think to minimize any resentment or feelings of like insecurity or not being respected, whatever, you do have to be in a good obviously trustworthy place with your partner because if you're not then it's just I don't think it's worth it but if you if but if you're in a good place then I think that obviously you're more liable to make it work yeah um next question how do you protect your kids from what's happening in the news so it's kind of like our kids are a little young Betty especially she doesn't know anything going on Lucy's not Lucy gets it she can read body language she can you know what i mean like i've i've been pretty sad the last <laughs> palestine and israel are in trouble mommy said like she can't read body language to that extent she doesn't know no. the news well here's so she saw me crying last week right and uh she's like oh mommy what's wrong and i was like oh there's just you know scary things happening in the world and it's just making me a little bit sad and i told her when russia invaded ukraine and i I talked to her a little bit about that age level appropriate obviously so she asked what i'd love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation (laughs) how do you have an age well okay this one this one was it started off really well and then ended up not being great Mm -hmm. so she asked me what was happening and I was like, okay, you know what? There are kids her age that are going through it and this is their reality, their lived experience every single day. So maybe she can know a little bit about it. So I showed her a photo, not of it happening, but I showed her a before and after picture of a street that had been blown to rubble. And I said, this was somebody's house and now they don't have a house and they have to go and try to find somewhere safe. And it's making mommy sad because it's lots of kids. And uh, Lucy was like appropriately, like she understood it in an appropriate way. She was like, oh, like, you know, that's really sad. Like, how can we help people? Because she remembers doing a collection, like a drive for Ukraine, whatever. So that feels like too much. Well, I didn't show her any people, any but just actual sometimes blowing the theater, up. the mind of it all. Like, I know. Well, Shane, this is where the problem came in. So, she goes to bed. We said a prayer, you know, for like to help protect people, keep them safe, whatever. 
And then she went to bed. She woke up at 4.30 that morning from mm-hmm. a nightmare, a nightmare. I asked her what is what it was about. She said she couldn't remember. Um, but I was like, okay, it's from what I told her, whatever. And then she came downstairs at like 4.30 and wanted French toast. So I made her French toast at 4.30 because I felt so freaking bad. Well, <laughs> so okay. So a quick Google says eight or older. A lot of uh, people say, experts say nine or 10 uh, before kids should start worrying about things that their parents worry about. Because you don't want to traumatize the kids like lucy last night she was asking me are bad guys real oh you know and i was just like what do you mean by that she's like you know bad guys i go well the bad guys in the movie aren't real that Mm -hmm. you watch those aren't real people monsters aren't real and then she goes but do people do bad things i go yeah like you do bad things you hit betty that's a bad thing sometimes people in the real world might hit Mm-hmm. but that's because they haven't learned as children to not hit. Yeah. So that's why we tell you do not hit Betty because if you grow up and you start hitting people, you're going to become a bad guy or a criminal, and right. that's illegal behavior. That's what I was saying. I wasn't like, here's Gaza. Well, like, I, I've talked to her about bad guys in real life before in talking about like consent. Like she's she did a summer's worth of camps going to school and everything like that. So you're sure as shit that I talked to her about like, you know, not trusting every adult. And if anybody sure. ever tells her not to tell mommy and daddy something to immediately tell mommy and daddy. Telling kids but that I, you shouldn't hold secrets from adults. And if someone's being strange or icky, like tell us, but all, but I don't think we can show them like pictures of rubble and like just, bombs. It was so. just rubble. Rubble's just, scary. It rubble, is scary. Well, it yeah. is scary because I showed her the before picture too. Yeah. I don't think we do that because we don't want to have unnecessary mm-hmm. trauma and unnecessary fear. If we feel like Canada is about to be yeah. attacked or something, yeah, let's explain. But that that is a terrifying fear. And I remember fear when I was young of thinking there was going to be uh, an attack, like a world attack. Yeah. And we were like even, you know, so, so many things like obviously I was 18 and 9-11, but that was mm-hmm. so scary because it felt like every major city in the world was going to be attacked. Yeah. And I was 18. Yeah. That was traumatizing. Like, I I think we stay away from that with the kids, but she's probably forgotten all about it. I think so. I'm I'm having a hard time con- like containing my feelings about it. So I think I was. Google's a great source, though. To, honestly, oh. like it, you can ask Google or Surrey yeah. or whoever, what's a good age to start? And before you just delve into the conversations, freaking, it's hard. It's hard. Anyway, okay, pivoting hard away from that topic. Last question of the day. What is your favorite celebrity biography? I'm looking for something new to read, and that's my favorite genre. Yeah, that is the best thing to read for me. It's the easiest thing to read, too. Sometimes I get lost in, like, uh, like fiction books. Okay, I like... I'm going to say really quick. It's not, like, about a celebrity Yeah. in specific. It's about a band. I love uh, Motley Crue's The Dirt. I thought mm, it was so fun to read. aged well. Like, yeah, it's a page turner, but it's a lot of like illegal acts that are cancelable offenses that you kind of have to be complicit with. I don't remember. I read it like 15 years ago. That's what I mean. It's that's back in the day where you think like being misogynistic and mm-hmm. a murderer, like, you know, the, the, the guy killed someone in his vehicle and got off with Prince murder. Harry's Spare then. I, I found that fascinating. Whether you like Harry or not, you're going to enjoy listening to it. My Taja. 
forgot about that. We haven't said that in ages. That's yeah, what Prince Harry calls his Willie. I liked Andre Agassi's biography. I thought it was fascinating. Um, Chris Farley's, like it's very readable uh, biography, the, the Chris Farley one. I believe it's called The Chris Farley Show. Um, this isn't a, a biography. It's more about just like a place, but the, the SNL uh history of snl book it's huge but it's very easy to read and uh, what other biography did i really love i feel like there's one i'm forgetting right now that's gonna oh um keith richards has a really good one i believe it's just mm. called life mm-hmm. and that was excellent yeah and then we got it baby yeah okay well what an episode a longer episode because we did throw in that rare um interview getting that sage advice from nick vile but thank you everyone for listening to this This family Family tree Tree Podcast. podcast episode 187